This episode of the Kyle Style Podcast is brought to you in part by Kyle Style Design. Visit redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash Kyle Style Design and get some of my original artwork on phone cases, book covers, shirts, etc. And you can contribute to the podcast that way as well as getting some original artwork in a fun format for your active life. Or head over to the GoFundMe page, throw me like a dollar an episode, something like that, and help out and contribute to making more fresh content for your ear holes, which then drives into your central nervous system and then hijacks all of your thoughts and you won't be able to you won't be able to think about the world the same way again. Wow. <laughs> so back with a brand new episode here. We're gonna revisit the visions of the apocalypse timelines for the end of the world so we touched on some nuclear war we touched on asteroidal impacts things which are in some you know that the nuclear war thing is completely in our control the asteroid impact kind of should be under our control spacex helping us out the last week here with uh their own private reusable rocket launch, right? That might help put some things up in space to help us uh, detect asteroids and things, so we gotta take control of that one. Grab that bull by the horns. But, there's another looming threat. And it is the technological apocalypse, or the technocalypse, or the rise of the machines, if you will. Or if you won't. Now, there's a there's a long sort of history of this kind of concept, right? I mean, you want to go back to something like Pandora's box, right? I mean, you open Pandora's box and all the evils of the world are in there, but there's also hope. Well, go forward a little bit here. In uh, you know, in the Jewish Talmud, Adam was created as uh, out of mud and, you know, the breath of God, and then he proceeded to, you know, sin and everything else, right? So creating something and then it kind of getting loose and doing its own thing. And you have another uh, another sort of Jewish story here, the what's known as the Golem of Chelm. Maybe it's Kelm, Chelm? And the story dates back to maybe about 1550, um, when... Uh, as the story goes, Rabbi Eliyahu created a golem, and not a Lord of the Rings Middle-earth golem with the precious, but uh, a large sort of clay monster, right? A beast. And he, he created it to defend the Jewish community from attacks. And the golem became more and more powerful and uh, kind of more out of control. And so he was forced to destroy it. Now you uh, advance maybe a little further here, and you got uh, you know Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, uh, first published in 1818, basically a scientific golem. You know uh, we all know the story, stitching together various parts from dead bodies and then reanimating it, and it proceeds to uh, not behave as intended, and is for, you know, I think the real story, if I recall right, they, they kind of kill each other, uh, Dr. Frankenstein and the monster. 
So this leads to various uh, various different directions that this goes in, and, and there's a lot of stuff uh, from at least the last hundred years or so that really touch on this and really uh, you know illustrate various aspects of this. So if we're gonna start at the the beginning, um, I want to refer want to refer to uh, recent uh, some appearances by Sam Harris on the Joe Rogan podcast, and I think he covered this in one of his own episodes. He's done a lot of work with uh, at least thought experiments with uh, AI, uh, autonomous AI, robots, and the current kind of industrial data race to create stronger and stronger AIs. And you have this idea of um, making an AI in a, in a box, like in a jar, right? It doesn't have access to the internet. It doesn't have any capacity to kind of act in the world. It would maybe just have like a data terminal and you could communicate with it. And this would be the beginning, potentially, of the great AI-fueled you know, technological revolution that would uh, have an AI that reaches what has been called the singularity. I've been following the singularity idea since, I don't know, 2006 or so when I first read about Kurzweil, and you look at, uh, you know, Moore's Law, etc., that computer speed is doubling about every three months, and so we will eventually reach without, uh, you know, unless an asteroid hits us or we wipe ourselves out with nukes or a virus or something, if that continues, then we will reach a point where you have a computer which is technically, like, as smart as a person. Three months later, it will be twice as smart as a person. And then four times, and then eight times. And this exponential, you know, growth pattern will also be reinforced by the fact that an AI that is smarter than us would be able to help us solve problems that we can't solve. Okay, and would be able to anticipate our moves. It would know what we want to do, what we're going to do before we do it, because it would be, you know, tens and then hundreds and then thousands and then millions of times smarter than us, and would think faster, because it's not a biological brain with synapses and, you know, electrical current moving through, you know, brain goo. It would just be, you know, silicon. So this creates potentially a technological AI golem, right? On the one hand, it could be incredibly powerful. On the other hand, it could be incredibly destructive. For example, what do you teach it? What are its values, right? Does it does it value human life? Uh, does it uh, does it understand human consciousness? And would it have mercy on us now that we've basically created a god, right? So. This idea of making it in a jar <laughs> is probably a very good idea. Uh, however, as, as I heard Sam Harris point out, it's very likely that an AI that would be that smart would be able to find a way to escape the jar, right? It could convince, you know, if Hillary Clinton's taking thumb drives out of the, you know, Department of Defense computers, how do you know that an AI wouldn't convince somebody, hey, I'll, you know, I can give you, I can show you the world if you just, you know, slip this little flash drive in or whatever and uh, take me out of here, right? It's very tempting. 
So there's a, a really good uh, there's a really good movie that was surprisingly good. I thought it was going to be a little cheesier than it than it turned out to be. It turned out to be pretty poignant. This uh, AI robot movie called Ex Machina that came out uh, last year. You know, you kind of thought it was like maybe going to be a sci-fi thing and maybe uh, you know a friendly robot kind of thing, but it turned into a little bit of a thriller, a little bit of a uh, the reality of what's called a Turing test. And a Turing test, for people who don't know, is when a a person essentially a person can't tell whether they're talking to a computer or not. Right? You can't be certain whether it is or not. Uh, say you're you know talking to it just through a chat chat window or something you wouldn't know based on its responses that it's not a human being and that Turing test is uh, is a bit of a challenge right but in this ex machina film you have a person who's introduced to a robot and then the robot starts to try to figure out like how it basically is trying to figure out how to escape uh it's trying to figure out what the humans want and all this so that's a good sort of starting point, you know, for what could be called, you know, the rise of the machines. Uh, an AI that can outsmart people and set itself free and then start to make its own decisions almost as like a new species, right? It takes its own destiny in its own hands and chips fall where they may, right? Now, I want to dif- differentiate this because you have you have other scenarios right especially in film uh there's one called maximum overdrive which was uh, directed by stephen king and it is one of my it's like one of my favorite terrible movies uh emilio estevez and uh, a various uh, ragtag group of humans and for a sort of unknown reason uh vehicles and machines just start going crazy and trying to kill people you got uh <laughs> there's classics in there uh coke machine is like pelting people with soda cans and uh trucks and cars are going crazy running people over and crashing into buildings and everything and it's basically a uh it's a machine uprising but not necessarily in the the ai sense and i think in the in the uh, afterward in the movie it was a uh, uh, there was some kind of alien spacecraft did this to the machines so that it would like make the earth easier to capture or something I don't know uh, but you have that concept of machines just going haywire and trying to kill us all and that's not quite the same thing as what I'm talking about um, that is definitely uh, I suppose that's a <laughs> possibility but it's more about these intelligent machines that we are increasingly making right it starts with a Roomba that knows how to drive around on the floor in your house and knows where the furniture is and it vacuums and then it becomes maybe a a helper bot right something like my own uh, mechatronic graphic novel that I've been working on where you have these helper bots and at some point we make the helper bot have emotions so that it understands emotions and sees them in people and now you have an autonomous intelligent thing that has some kind of emotional capacity and can move about in the world and make its own decisions and again you go back to those values like will it respect human life and will it uh, value human life would it value human life more than itself all right if you go back to asimov's uh, rules of robotics right 
or laws of robotics. But you have these you have these scenarios where it goes wrong uh, in fiction anyway. This hasn't happened yet, so uh, fiction is and uh, science fiction essentially are pretty good starting points here because they demonstrate what we might consider to be logical, ethical, or moral failings in the um, you know in applying autonomous AIs to our world, right? And, you know, humans are bad at morals and ethics and not destroying the world, so how do we know that a robot would do, uh, or a machine would do better or worse, right? Uh, a really great way this was demonstrated is in uh, in The Matrix. Of course, The Matrix trilogy, uh, first one everybody seemed to like, the other two not so much, but uh, they produced a, a animated, a series of animated shorts. It's called The Animatrix. And there's two parts in there. It's called the Second Renaissance. And the Second Renaissance covers the rise of the machines in the Matrix universe. We build those, like the robots I was talking about. We build those robots. They're everywhere. They're helping us build society and civilization. But they're autonomous. And then they don't like how they're treated. Right? They don't like being discarded. They don't like being abused. And so they fight back. And we, in our hubris... Uh, you know, we, we try to cut them off from the sun, which is their energy source, and we, you know, block out the sky with some kind of clouds. And then they turn on us and start using humans as batteries, and then they create the matrix, they plug all of us into the matrix, and use our bodies as energy while we live out our lives inside the virtual reality of the matrix. And that sets the stage for the movies, right? And this idea is, you know, it's, it's, sort of, it's sort of there, right? That if we are creating an autonomous AI, how we treat it says a lot about ourselves as, you know, individuals, as, as a species. But it also says something about, you know, possibly the nature of, you know, kindness, uh, of morality, um, yeah, if, if they even have the capacity for it. They might not have the capacity for compassion, right? And that's those are very tricky things that kind of really only matter to us. If they're just balancing equations, uh, they, will, they will arrive at, well, human beings are going to destroy the rest of the planet. So uh, ethically, we need to save all the other life on Earth. So that means killing off all the humans. Or maybe killing a whole bunch of humans to balance out the, uh, you know, the environment, say. So then that math would just trigger and the robots would go on a, on the warpath because it has to be done by their, you know, their pure logic, so to speak. Anyways, rambling. So um, there's another... Um, there's another cheesy movie I saw a while back. It was on Netflix. It was called iBots. And the iBots uh, were these little roving uh, little drones that, uh, that surveil everybody. And essentially an AI has taken control of everything. And, you know, Danny Treu is one of the, the freedom fighters fighting back against them. But the, you know, the, the president gives his speeches and things. But apparently, you know, it turns out like the president isn't even there. It's all just a um, computer-generated imagery by this AI that's using these iBots to conquer humanity, 
right? It's just conquering everything. And nobody knows that it's an AI doing it, right? So again, letting the letting the genie out of the bottle, so to speak. Um, and then you have, of course, uh, Terminator, right? Terminator is the story <laughs> of the Skynet uh, supercomputer uh, launching a nuclear war uh, and then building, I guess somehow, building all those shiny metal skeletal, uh, you know, killing machines that you see in the, in the films. And then humanity having to fight through the rubble and, you know, trying to fight a big metal man is hard when you're a little fleshy human. And that's part of the whole point, right? Is uh, we make these robots, they're going to be stronger than us. They're going to be faster than us. They're going to be, uh, you know, smarter than us. They're going to be able to take more damage, maybe. And you have to keep this in context, of course, because currently robots are, are pretty pretty helpless you know um there's an xkcd comic maybe i'll link it here which is that uh you know how do you defeat the robot uprising well with fire trucks and hoses <laughs> you just hose them down and they short out it's done uh but when you're talking about complex machines and machines that are now maybe designed by an ai itself to be shielded from such things now you have that big, shiny, you know, Terminator skeleton murder machine. And uh, there's another there's another great example of this, which was a fantastic uh, rebooted series. Probably one of the only good, really good reboots, I think. Hmm. Uh, the remake of Battlestar Galactica, which was sexy, it was gritty, it was dark, it was violent... <laughs> Uh, and it was it was kind of it was emotional. There's like actual story arcs and things and character development. And those uh, Cylons they call like to call them toasters, but the Cylons were kind of that big metal man killing machine. And then they evolved, and they evolved into the Cylons you see in the show, which are um, people. I mean, they they look like people. People can't tell them from each other, and they might not even know they're a Cylon, right? And this, and they infiltrate, and they kind of have it out for humanity, and this creates huge, you know, moral and ethical problems. If this thing is basically like a person, can you kill it, or is it, uh, is it an entity? Is it a being that, you know, deserves compassion? But again, if it's not showing you compassion, then why would you show it compassion? And then. I don't know. I don't know where these things go, but I'm talking about, uh, you know, uh, robots going off on their own and then coming back and going to war with humanity and wiping us out. And it's all sparked by our own hands, ultimately, because we created these smart machines, right? You, of course, have um, iRobot, um, not really the not the actual Asimov texts uh, because they they are a little more practical I'd say as far as uh, robotics and and machine intelligence and things, but you have um, like the film with Will Smith where it's all these robots kind of going crazy and having an uprising, and that's again that that kind of ethical and moral test. But you go to uh, you go to an, another creepy example which is uh, HAL, of course, from 2001 A Space Odyssey. Now, HAL 
like I said earlier about doing that pure logic that a machine would do. Hal has humans on board the spaceship. The spaceship is headed to uh, what Jupiter to find the next uh, obelisk left presumably by the aliens. Hal calculates it, and he knows that the only way the mission could fail is as if a human fails. He's not going to fail. A human will fail. So he proceeds to eliminate the threat of the mission failing by eliminating the humans. Pure logic, completely sound, but it misses the point of human beings being the ones who are going on the mission, right? Uh, and then at that point, you sort of claimed that humans have some kind of special uh, special endeavor of some kind. You could call it spiritual or, or call it philosophical or something like that. But uh, you're claiming that the, I guess, the, the journey is part of the point, not just the destination. Okay. So there again is that uh, idea of an AI being able to outthink us, right? And being able to anticipate our moves and maybe intentionally or even unintentionally be working against us simply because it is akin to an alien, right? If you have something that's thinking at thousands of times uh, a higher uh, capacity than a human, it's similar to an alien being. Like, you, you just don't know how it's going to respond. Um... It's not going to respond with emotion, necessarily. It's not going to respond with human beings in mind and compassion. It's not going to respond with necessarily like certain kinds of practicalities in mind, right? It's just going to do logic and then try to act. So thus the, the AI in the box kind of thing, right? So then you have, then you have the evolution of that. So you have this idea of the, uh, the 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 helper bots that kind of go rogue and start killing people, and you have that Terminator thing of these war machines that are bipedal and they they sort of resemble humans and they you know they use machine guns and things and try to you know fight humanity in a sort of stand up fight you know unit to unit as it were. But then you have you know in reality we have all kinds of robots and we even have like war bots we have like i've seen you've at least people have probably seen them the uh videos of like autonomous four-wheel uh, four-wheeler type drones that have like rocket launchers and machine guns on them and sensors and they could go park out in the desert somewhere and just sit there for years yeah, maybe maybe years until a thing stumbles by that is considered a target and then it gets attacked right that thing doesn't have arms, it doesn't have hands, it doesn't have, uh, you know, uh, and you look at that, uh, at the Dallas shooting there, when they, they blew that guy up with a, a bomb disposal robot. Bomb disposal robot isn't a bipedal thing with hands and a face. It's a little tracked vehicle, and it's got little little mechanical arms and cameras and, you know, speakers and microphones on it and a very array of different tools that we can put on it. But it is, of course, is not autonomous. It has to be piloted. So the idea that, uh, you know, ter like Terminator, the way that uh, the XKCD comic put it, a Terminator walking on two legs over the piles of human skulls, 
isn't really practical, at least as far as we see now. Uh, maybe I'll try to find some videos of ridiculous fails by robots trying to walk on two legs. It doesn't <laughs> it doesn't work too well, right? But uh, wait, where the hell was I going with this? Um, yeah, so the actual form that this robe, this machine uprising would take would be less it would be less terminator and more uh more like ibots actually i mean it would be more like weird little drones and specialized pieces of of technology that can maneuver in different ways in the environment that would be you know that would be what we'd actually be fighting against because aside from certain specific instances why would we make robots that are only as functional as we are right why would we make bipedal uh drone thing or uh, robots that are inflexible heavy slow um and that are you know less flexible we would have all kinds of specialized machines for all kinds of different purposes and then if some kind of ai took the control of them then you'd have street sweeper bots and all these things going you know trying to attack you so they wouldn't be again that uh Cylon thing or the uh, you know the Terminators holding the two machine guns and blasting everything in sight one of the main fears is similar to in Terminator though which is the AI an AI taking control of nuclear weapons and you see this in the movie War Games um, making the computer play tic-tac-toe with itself until it realizes what futility is and that is, in some sense, that's a very real concern. You know, if, if we we allow, if, we can't mess with the nuclear war stuff, right? We have to be careful with how all of that is handled, right? So we have to we have to go along this this timeline here. So you have the two sort of two separate threats here. You have machines out in the world being able to physically harm us, and then you have AIs. And AI would be the one that decides to harm us. But if it was not capable, there weren't there aren't these armies of iBots or uh, worker drones or anything to take over, and and begin a fight. You still have this AI, and you can all, if you can imagine an AI that was capable of its own decision making, it could. It could go any direction it wanted if it had access to, say, the internet. It just has to find enough storage space to upload itself to, uh, crash servers, change data, change records, uh, do whatever it could do, whatever it wanted. And ultimately, if you know the nuclear launch stuff was connected to to this to the internet, then it would be able to take it over, and then we would be at the mercy of its decision making and this is uh this was touched on in a 1970 movie called Colossus the Forbin project and this was a uh, you know defense department ai attempts to end war by it, it ta- ends up talking to uh, another computer this computer is called Colossus it talks to i think it's like a russian computer that's called uh guardian and they start to talk and then they merge together into one system and so now both systems control all the nukes on earth and they kind of dominate humanity by doing this you know they they're like 
you will bow to us. <laughs> like we we control you now. And uh, this is another aspect of the long term of us not having the stand-up war with the machines like in Terminator or iBots or iRobot or Maximum Overdrive. Uh, but, or, you know, Battlestar Galactica. But more that as we increasingly invite more and more technologies and more and more automation into our lives, we arrive at a point where people don't even remember phone numbers anymore because your smartphone remembers phone numbers. Uh, we have people you don't even, you, you don't, you might not see other human beings for days and days if you don't go outside because you spend your time on the internet communicating with people, maybe, sure, but not having any actual human interaction. Um, and this this becomes its own form of dominance and social control that we need to be careful with because never mind a full AI we already have enough technological distractions and conveniences such that we can be robbed of some very fundamental skills um, normal communication uh, speaking with other people right uh, normal human interactions, healthy life choices, um, exercise, diet, getting sunshine, having real adventures and experiences in the physical world, right? Why do that when you can just look at a picture or watch a video on the internet, right? So this led me to one of the creepiest um, parts of this narrative, and it's a, a book from, I think it was 1909, which is astounding. A little short story. It's called The Machine Stops. And this story is a, it's, a, it's an unsettling uh, future kind of dystopia, I guess you could call it, where a... It, it seemed he didn't have the terms for this I don't think the author but uh, it's like the an, an AI runs civilization it runs all of the world and all the humans are accounted for they all have like a little apartment little hexagonally shaped little uh, you know apartment and it's all interactive you know you push a button and then the bed comes out of the wall you push a button and then a bath comes out and you have all kinds of communications uh, equipment and he even uh, he even foretold a thing kind of like Skype people have like a little uh, a little plate and then they can look into it and talk to uh, their friends and family through it and it's like a video chat so he kind of predicted Skype with that one but uh, the idea is that because everybody's constantly communicating with one another through these systems and they never want to go outside, they are hopelessly dependent on the machine. So what happens to humanity when all we know how to do is trade information and ideas? And that's a big part of, of, of the story is everybody's addicted to ideas. They 
uh, how they do lectures and things through their communication systems. They never actually meet. None of them ever actually see each other, but they trade all these ideas all the time, and they're all getting smarter, I suppose. And it reminds me of, you know, the, the amount of TED Talks and... Uh, you know, YouTube and documentaries and things that you can watch and stuff on Netflix and everything. It's a similar situation happening. You can download this data, this information into your head from all of these, uh, you know, science channels and documentaries and TED Talks and all this stuff. But how do you actually apply it? You know, you don't you don't apply it by watching another one. You apply it by living, right? And these humans become slug-like. <laughs> they become, uh, you can see this in, uh, in WALL-E, right? And AI doesn't want people to leave because its purpose is to take care of all the humans. So all the humans are fat slugs that ride around in, in hover chairs and just eat. They eat this, they eat that, and they don't, you know, they, they don't think about being outside of the box. And so that's that same idea here in the machine stops. It's like the AI has accounted for all of your concerns and you don't have anything to worry about until someone just kind of wonders because all, all these um, apartments they live in are all underground. And uh, the people, kind some people anyway, start uh, wondering about what's on the surface right like what what like what happened before we lived here and the machine doesn't really like that doesn't want you to be going up there and it's created a climate of not wanting people to go up there and if you do go up to the surface and look around uh you are ostracized by other people you know you're ostracized when everyone's already isolated right no one will no one will take your calls anymore when you try to call them and so they start to revere this machine as a as being godlike and they each room has a, a manual for the control how to control the switches in their room and they begin to venerate the book and you know kiss it three times and praise the machine and ultimately of course spoilers the uh, the machine stops and when the machine stops and all the human beings are hopelessly, helplessly dependent on it, then that's kind of the end of humanity. So in some sense, super intelligent AIs could be a problem. They could go all HAL. Uh, they could go Cylon. They could go Terminator. If they're in robots, they could you know, walk around and do all that stuff. Uh, you could have that Colossus effect um, or you know, war games where you have this AI that somehow is connected to our, you know, our defense grid and is able to launch all the nukes or would be able to be connected to the power grid and shut off all the power, right? Maybe steal all the power. Maybe it uses all the power and there's no power <laughs> for humans. You know, we just don't know. But then you have this other flip side of the technology. And you talk about, go back to, you know, a golem, say. This idea that we created these pieces of technology, right? Um, 
I talk into a microphone and I upload it to the internet and then you listen to it and I hope you're not listening to it in isolation in complete technological dependency the way in in the machine stops the people are constantly listening to lectures and giving lectures on things that they've researched and it, it really creeped me out I got meta while I was reading this story because uh in some sense that's what I'm doing I'm I do some research and I give a 30 to 45 minute long maybe uh lecture on a specific sort of set of ideas and none of those things that's not me lifting weights that's not me having some kind of unique adventure in the world that's not that's not me helping another person per se that's not me volunteering at the animal shelter that's me maybe just indulging my own ego and my desire to hear myself talk right (laughs) I mean, I hope that I hope that it's more meaningful than that to you, uh, and we and we're not just we're not sort of castrating ourselves as human beings by constantly absorbing all this content or attempting to absorb all this content, all the Netflix binge watching and the uh, and the, the primetime TV and everything else and the video games and everything. I hope that we're retaining those certain aspects of our of our humanity that help us to remain free that help us to continue to be as great as we can be right i hate to get completely off topic here but uh yeah so we have these we have this kind of huge thing looming this one this one is completely looming and as uh, I have to go back to Sam Harris here, I'm sure that there's others who have done work on this, but the idea that we won't create these AIs is silly. We we're trying to make them right now. Uh, will they be connected to our defense uh, weapons and things? I really hope not. Will they be Will they be able to have the capacity to care for humanity and humanity's destiny or humanity's future? I hope so. <laughs> I sure hope so. Do they have the tremendous capacity to completely wipe us out and not even realize that they wiped us out? Absolutely they do. So these things are this one's definitely like I said it's looming and there are people who scoff at it. They think it's silly um that the that computers won't reach this level that it's impossible maybe for them to reach this kind of level of conscious decision making um i don't know i mean it's it's worth considering in any event how much how how far our dependency on our technologies reaches and something i've gone back to is that we don't necessarily need to have these super complex ais for machines to fail us not necessarily turn on us but fail us and when the hospital when the power grid fails or the uh you can't get your records at the hospital 
and you're or you're given the they're given the wrong records and you get injected with something you're allergic to or these self-driving cars that we're putting out there now and those all fail at the same time because somebody intentionally put a virus in it or something uh automatic planes automatically landing well maybe they don't <laughs> maybe they just crash into the ground uh, you know, shipping and receiving and all of these things, uh, you know, goods transportation and everything else, <sighs> we're hopelessly dependent now on the machine. And, well, maybe not hopelessly, but the level of destruction would be immense if the machine stops. And, uh, we... We don't have we don't have contingencies for this. Okay, there's no there's no contingency plan for uh, you know the internet backbone getting destroyed. Right? We would have to quickly figure it out, kind of on the fly. But anyway, rambling. I think that's the end of the episode. Okay, I'm gonna try to post the links to all these things so that you can kind of put this timeline together and see some of this stuff as as I see it and include some links and everything in here um yeah visions of the apocalypse we're moving forward here we did the nuclear war did the asteroid impacts doing rise of the machines and there's a few more that are uh, possibles that are um, more likely than others uh in these scenarios and we're going to try to kind of do them in order of likelihood <laughs> uh so that will leave some super sexy fun ones for the very end because they're awesome but not likely so thanks for listening to this episode of the kyle style podcast of course go over to uh, redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash kyle style design get some original kyle style art on a phone case a book cover you know give it as a gift get a print get a sticker something uh contribute to the podcast that way or head over to the GoFundMe page, throw me a dollar, throw me a thousand dollars, really. You should throw me a thousand dollars, but I'll accept one dollar, all right? And we'll uh, hopefully get some more content out for your ear holes here in the next few days, uh, the next week, because if I'm being honest, and we'll keep you entertained, keep you informed, and keep you coming back for more, because that's the real idea, right? All right, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.